We begin today with a reading from Romans chapter 1, verse 9. Paul writes, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Welcome, everyone. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life. This radio ministry is sponsored by Church Partnership Evangelism at its local missions fellowship, The Bread of Life in Boise, Idaho. If you're looking for a place to give that is taking the gospel in direct and personal evangelism throughout the world, then I'd like you to consider Church Partnership Evangelism. You can learn more by going to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Now we're looking at Romans chapter 1, verses 9-11. through 11. Here we learn from Paul that our service to one another must always be preceded by vigilant prayer. Paul doesn't tell us in this passage exactly what he prays for when he's praying for them, but he does in other places. In fact, if you'll see, when he writes the church in Ephesus, he describes at length the prayers that he prays for them. When he writes the church in Philippi and also in Colossae in Philippians and Colossians, he begins again expressing the prayers that he's praying for them. He does this when he writes to the Thessalonians in the book of Thessalonians, and he does this also when he writes Philemon, the individual Philemon. He tells them how he's praying for them. We see this pattern in, in Ephesians. He prays, for example, for their knowledge to increase in who God is, their understanding in that knowledge of all that they possess and all that they have in God. He prays that they would also recognize God enriches himself in them, that God finds pleasure and joy and a richness in possessing them for himself. He prays that they would grow more and more in an understanding of the greatness of God's power and an experience of that power in relationship with God. As they relate to God and they know God and they walk with God, that the power of God might be released more and more in them so that they might know it by experience in their lives. The very power that saved them might be expressed and continually working through them and deepening sanctification. This is what he's praying for. He'll pray that they will be strengthened in their inner life, in the life of faith, that they'll be filled with love. He'll pray that they will be filled ultimately with all the fullness of God. In essence, he's praying, I want you to live in the filling of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then after Paul prays all of these things, he begins to instruct them. It tells us something, by the way, that instruction, good instruction, should always follow after our prayers, the prayer should come first, always first. So you see the flow here. Paul first welcomes them, those that he writes, into the family of God. Then he expresses to them that he's so thankful and he rejoices that that's the case. And then out of that, he begins to pray for them. A lot. He prays for them always, he says. That that's not enough. He says, I pray for you unceasingly. I pray for you all, always unceasingly, he says. In my spirit, in this great work of the Spirit of God, working upon this redeemed man, this transformed man, he takes that work of God in his life and he focuses it upon these he's praying for. Now, I gave this illustration last week at the close, but I think it's worthy of giving it again. It's kind of like this. A couple gets married. They start a new family, and then their first child comes. They're waiting for that child to arrive, and the child arrives, and, and whether the child likes it or not, at that moment, they become a member of that family. And they begin to fill out that family. More children will come, but that child now is a member of that family. They're an heir of that family. They're, you might say, locked into that community where they're going to grow and they're going to be raised and they're going to be formed. And so the parent receives them in that moment in their family and the parent rejoices that it's so. They're glad that that's the case. You know, after that happens, what happens is we parents start praying for our kids and we pray for them a lot. Sometimes 
It seems like we're always praying for them. <laughs> Sometimes we're unceasingly praying for them. And we also discover that we can't sustain that prayer in our own flesh, right? You might initially pray for somebody in your flesh. Oh, Lord, this person's such an irritation. Do something in their life. That, that only lasts for so long. But you won't endure in that kind of prayer, no, to incessantly and always pray for someone the Spirit has to take over and guide you in that prayer. And, well, what's to happen in the life of a family your immediate family is what Paul is describing is to happen in the life of the church. This life of prayer. That's how we approach one another in ministry. In fact, we shouldn't speak to each other. We shouldn't exhort one another. We shouldn't teach one another God's word if before it doesn't come this life of invested, committed prayer for one another. Some time ago we had started a radio ministry in the valley and for a number of reasons we weren't able to sustain it we took a half hour of radio program and we invited a number of pastors to come and host each day a half hour of intercessory prayer that would come into the radio station and prayer for their church and prayer for our churches and prayer for our community and we basically outlined that prayer through the Lord's Prayer and we would have little devotional and it was just praying and so the people can listen to the radio station would just hear prayers being made over our community and over our valley and prayers maybe for specific requests that came in as well. And then the church that hosted it for that week of prayer, the pastor would be in the studio with the person that would guide them that prayer and then other members of the church were invited to come to the radio station that was hosting it for that week and pray while that prayer was going on. Anyhow, it was, it was a very good ministry. I think it was a very important ministry. I regret that we weren't able to sustain it and keep it going, but at that time, I contacted a pastor who had quite a reputation as a, a good Bible teacher in our community and I asked him to join us and be a part of it, in his church to be a part of it. And his answer to me was, well, you know what? Prayer is not my thing. Now, he may have been inarticulate. I may have caught him on a bad day. He may have been just being brutally honest. And then again, he may have misspoken. And that's not what he meant to say. But what we can say is what he did say was incorrect and wrong, or it should not come from the lips of an individual who teaches God's word and instructs God's people. Prayer should, first and foremost, be our thing. Paul doesn't ever come and write a single letter that he comes to the letter before he comes to it by way of prayer for the people of God and pouring his heart out before the people of God and the church in my mind is to be made up of a few leaders, but many, 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 many priests who are interceding and praying for one another. That's how the church grows. Here's another thing that I want you to see in this observation. This is where we'll pause here for the most, our most part here, because we're going to break this down a little bit more. But I want you to see here that as Paul prays for these people, he has building within him a desire to be with them a desire to be with the people of God and to minister to them a spiritual gift. He says in verse 11, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts so that you may be established. And so, let me just pause here for a second. This is the fourth thing that we see developing a Paul. First, he sees him as the people of God. Second, he's thankful that it's so. Then this bursts a vigilant prayer in his heart for them. And now he longs to be with them so that he might impart to them some spiritual gift. But under this point four, let me give you four observations. I don't want you to be confused by what point we're on here. So now we're going to restart four other points. And it's just under this point four. And this is what we're going to see here. And the first thing I want you to see here is that Paul's prayers 
have filled him with a desire to be with the individuals that he's praying for. Paul's prayers have filled him with a desire to be with those that he has been praying for. In fact, Paul says that multiple times he's attempted to go to them, yet God, for some reason, has not opened the door and allowed him to arrive in their presence. But listen, I've longed for this. I desire to be with you. And I think I can say it this way, that nothing will drive us into consistent fellowship with the body of Christ and with one another more than praying for one another. You tell me if this is not the case. Haven't you found this to be true? That as God lays upon your heart someone that you're to pray for, and you begin to enter into that mode of ministry, and you sustain in that mode of ministry. In other words, you don't just pray over your cereal in the morning one night, or you don't just mention their name one night before you go to bed, but as God lays it on your heart, and you begin to follow that individual in your prayers, and you lay out prayer prayers for that individual, that there comes growing in your spirit a great desire to be with them, and to commune with them, and to part life to them, and to see how they're doing. It's Sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes you can't do it. Sometimes they're on the other side of the globe, but you know what happens? You, you end up writing a letter to them and you're hoping to get a, a letter in response or you send a word out to them. I'm praying for you today, but, but if you could, if it were possible, you'd want to be with them. You pray for somebody. Your heart opens up to them. You begin to bathe them in that prayer. The Spirit of God moves upon the new man that's in you to intercede for them and you begin to unceasingly and always have them upon your mind and you want to be with them. You want to impart to them life. You want to see them. You want to see how God is working in their life. You want to know how to better pray for them. So you want to be with them. What's the application to all that? Well, I think you'll discover if you find in your life or you find in the lives of individuals increasingly a less and less of a pull to be in the body of Christ. A diminishing need for fellowship within the body of Christ in the church. An ability to replace it with streaming online or you know, a radio program or whatever. I think what you'll discover in that person's life is that they are not praying for the body of Christ. They're not living a life of intercession. A church that prays together stays together. I mean, we're drawn together. We want to be with one another. A body of Christ where we intercede and pray for one another, there is a pull for us to be with one another. The early church on that first day in which it was born in Pentecost, they began to gather together for the apostles' doctrine and for instruction, and it says, for prayer. And they were continually with one another. Their prayer held them fast. And not only this, by the way, that I know why people leave the church at times. They become disillusioned with things they discover in the church. They discover that they need too much prayer. <laughs> and they don't want to give themselves, these people need just too much prayer. I don't want to be here. And so they leave the church. They're disillusioned or they're disappointed. And by the way, Paul writes the most of the churches that he writes to because there's a problem there. And yet Paul still wants to be with them and be among them. Why? Because he's praying for them. He's interceding for them and well, if you just find that you can, because of your disappointments, because of your disillusion, that you feel the tug just to be depart and just kind of keep yourself separate, and this is fine with you. It doesn't matter what the problems are in the church, because they're there, and the problems with people of God, because we have them, but the real issue here is what it reveals is you're not interceding for them. You're not praying for them. You're not holding them up before the Lord. 
We're to pray for one another. Paul wanted to be with the people as he prayed for them. He wanted to be with them and to in their presence impart to them the very spirit and the very life that the spirit was pouring out upon him in his prayers as he prayed for them. And this is just the case. Let's look at another thing here we see. We see here that Paul recognizes as he prays that he has spiritual gifts of grace to give to the body of Christ. That he has these spiritual gifts or grace that God has put upon his life that he wants to share with them. Paul here isn't wanting to come to impress them with himself and his abilities. He's not coming here to show them what talents he has gained and because he thinks nobody can do it as well as I can do it, so I want to come and, and show them how it's done. He's wanting to share with them instead the life, the spiritual life, the spirit-filled life that God is working upon him and working in him and uniquely working in him as he prays, as we see in verse 9, as the Spirit of God is moving in prayer. I would only say this. When you commit yourself as a people to pray for other people, not simply as a passing thought, but really to intercede for them, to study their lives and know their lives and pray for one another, that you'll discover that as you begin to pray in that way, that there's a certain kind of authority, especially as the Spirit of God is leading you and guiding you, which is the only way to sustain this, that there's a certain authority that God gives us and that we gain in our prayer for others. As we intercede for them over time, God assures us of His empowerment to minister to others. And this isn't pride. Actually, there's humility in this. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.